Today on The Wisdom Journey, Stephen concludes our time in the book of Isaiah. The last chapters of Isaiah point us to the future. Isaiah particularly looks at the future of Israel. To understand God's plan for all people, you must understand Israel's unique role in it. And when you understand Israel, it'll cause you to grow closer to Israel's Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. Stephen called this lesson the final word on the future. Well, in our wisdom journey through the book of Isaiah, we have been climbing this Mount Everest of prophecy. And today, we reach the pinnacle and we conclude our journey. We're now arriving at chapter 60, and with this, we've been given the wonderful future of Israel. It's, it's spelled out for us here in verse 1. Arise. Shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The Lord will arise upon you, and nations shall come to your light. Now, this obviously hasn't happened yet, beloved. If you're checking the news regularly, you know that the nations of the earth aren't going to Israel to ask for advice. In fact, they've done nothing over the centuries but try to keep Israel from having a voice at all. But during the millennial kingdom, that thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on earth following the tribulation, well, Israel is going to be restored. Jerusalem will become the capital city of Christ's kingdom. It's going to be a, a glorious city of light. Well, imagine this kind of peace in the Middle East during the kingdom age that Isaiah prophesies about here in verse 18. Violence shall no more be heard in your land, devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Well, the opening verses of chapter 61 are now going to focus on this earthly ministry of the Messiah. Isaiah begins by prophesying here in verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. By the way, this is the exact same text that Jesus read in the synagogue there in Nazareth, recorded in Luke chapter 4, after reading it, which Uh, basically began Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, uh, according to the prophecy of Isaiah, guess what? Your Messiah just showed up. Well, the trouble is the people of Israel were expecting uh, the Messiah to be this conquering king. They expected him to overthrow Rome, not die on a Roman cross. So the nation is going to eventually refuse Christ. And and to this day, by the way, they're unwilling to follow a suffering Messiah who died for their sin. But that isn't the end of the Messiah, is it? In fact, the rest of verse 2 here in chapter 61 tells us that the Lord will come back one day, Isaiah says, to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. 
Now, Jesus didn't read this last part of verse 2, the day of vengeance. Why? Well, because that part isn't going to happen until Jesus comes back again. You see, Jesus didn't arrive the first time to conquer, but to be crucified. The first time, he didn't come to deliver judgment. He came to pay the penalty for the sins of the whole world, 1 John 2, 2. Now, here in chapter 62 and verse 1, the Messiah reassures Israel. He says, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. He adds in verse 4, you shall no more be called forsaken and your land shall no more be called desolate. Now, of course, this hadn't happened yet either, but it will happen when the Lord restores Israel in their land, and it'll never be forsaken again. Now, chapter 63 begins to describe the vengeance of God's judgment on earth. The Lord is described here as coming from the battle of Armageddon at the end of the tribulation when he defeats the armies who've gathered to destroy Israel under the direction of the Antichrist. And the Lord says here in this prophecy of that event in verse 6, I trampled down the peoples in my anger. I poured out their lifeblood upon the earth. Beloved, there are a lot of people today who think Jesus is, you know, some kind of fragile, you know, rather spineless, powerless man who, you know, wouldn't hurt a fly. Well, according to Isaiah here, the Messiah is going to return one day to deliver holy judgment against everyone who defies him. You know, many people are passionate today about being politically correct. I hear all the time people saying, you know, we don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Well, let me tell you, my friend, you don't want to be on the wrong side of God. It doesn't matter what's happening in history. Well, now, the reality of this judgment here this coming judgment, moves Isaiah to record a prayer on Israel's behalf here in chapter 64. He asks God to to graciously act on behalf of his people. And here in verse 9, he says, Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Well, this request for salvation is tied to a, a confession of sin and a trust in the Lord. And it's the same for us today, by the way. God invites you and me to confess our sin, to trust in Christ as our Savior and Lord, and he forgives us and saves us. You see, God's concern here is not for Israel alone. In fact, here in chapter 65, he says in verse 1, I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, Here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. See, here the Lord is inviting to himself not only the nation of Israel, but every other nation, every other person on the planet. Now, the first half of Isaiah chapter 65 informs us that because of Israel's rejection of their Messiah, their dispersion, their suffering. Well, it's going to continue all the way into the seven-year tribulation period. Now, let me clarify an important point here. Uh, the purpose of the tribulation, I, I've, I've heard Christians say, you know, it's to, it's to purify the church. It's sort of to get the church cleaned up and ready for heaven. 
Well, let me tell you, the church is already purified. In fact, the idea that the church has to be purified before being taken into the kingdom is horrible theology. That's salvation by works. Well, you might as well believe in purgatory. And there's not a verse in Scripture about that either. See, the church hasn't been promised the wrath of God. The church has been promised deliverance from the wrath of God. The hour of tribulation that's coming on the whole world, Revelation chapter 3 says. The blessed hope of the church is not the appearance of the Antichrist. It is the appearance of Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. As Jesus comes to rapture his church and keep her from the wrath of God that will be poured out during this tribulation period. Let me put it this way, beloved. The tribulation isn't to get the church ready to meet the Lord. It's to get Israel ready to meet the Lord, who will return at the end of the tribulation, their returning Messiah. In fact, here in chapter 65, now in verse 17, Isaiah says that God will create new heavens and a new earth. Well, this this new creation of the universe and of the earth, this refers to what is going to take place at the end of the millennial kingdom when God creates everything brand new, just as he promised. And, And this is the beginning of what we refer to typically as eternity. Now, most of what's what's following here in, in chapter 65 uh, now for us is really describing the millennial kingdom following the tribulation, that thousand-year kingdom of Christ on earth. You could describe this period of time as a return to the Garden of Eden in many ways. God's going to change uh, this old earth, some of it. He's going to change the animal kingdom. You know, we've already talked about this. A child's going to be able to have a lion as a pet, and I think that's going to be exciting. Chapter 66 continues the description of the millennium, and especially uh, the sudden change of heart in the people of Israel. Isaiah writes about it here in verse 8. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall a land be born in one day? Shall a nation be brought forth in one moment? In other words, this sudden reviving of Israel, this national awakening of the nation of Israel, well, this is the work of God's Spirit as they welcome back to earth their Messiah at his second coming. Now, for those who believe, the Lord promises here in verse 12 that one day they will have peace Like a river, verse 13, he says, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. Well, let me ask you something. Are you listening to Isaiah? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Well, here's the invitation. Trust the Messiah. Trust Jesus Christ with your life. Receive his gift of forgiveness and follow him. Follow him now. If you do that... You'll be able to worship him one day in that kingdom. You'd be ready for him if he came to rapture the church right now. Well, that future kingdom, you'll be ready for that. That'll be wonderful. The peace will flow like a river, and the comfort of God will never end. Well, with that, we conclude this this wonderful prophecy, this Mount Everest 
the book of Isaiah in our wisdom journey. Until our next wisdom journey picks up with the book of Jeremiah, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. With that, Stephen ends our time in Isaiah as he continues along the wisdom journey. All of the lessons so far, Genesis through Isaiah, are available for you to watch on demand at wisdomonline.org. Go there anytime to access all of the previous lessons. Those lessons are also available on the Wisdom International smartphone app. It's free to install and use and is a great companion for your personal Bible study. When we come back next time, Stephen will begin our time in Jeremiah. See you then.